We're going to be in Matthew 6, and we'll begin reading at verse number 19. And as you open your Bibles to that this morning, I've given you the, the Scripture that we'll be using as our main text in the description section of this video. Let me quickly mention, last week I should have read verses 16 to 18. It talks about fasting, and that would have uh, went perfectly with the sermon last week about God's guest room and prayer. So forgive me that I didn't include that. Uh, it wasn't intentional. It was just an oversight on my part. Uh, but, but please understand, I'm not just jumping past those verses either. As you know, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount piece by piece, and that would have been a great time to talk about how fasting... I, w I would have mentioned how it uh, can, can really strengthen your prayer life. I have talked about fasting on other occasions, but forgive me that I didn't include it last week. Uh, verses 19 to 24, today I'd like to give you... I, I, I want to say this is going to be a sermon. You can certainly call it that. I think this is going to end up feeling more like a Bible study, which is perfectly fine. But Jesus has some things to say about money and earthly riches and wealth. The Bible calls mammon, right? Mammon is another way of referring to just wealth in general, anything of value. And we're going to, I've named the sermon Gold Diggers, and we're going to see as the sermon progresses why I've chosen that name for the sermon. You certainly don't want, want to be one of them. I know in South Africa we have several mines, and they dig for various things, and among those things, gold is one of them. So if you happen to be involved in a mine that digs for gold, and you're mining for gold, please don't think that I'm preaching against you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but certainly you'll see as we go on, there's another kind of gold digger that you don't want to be. Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So with that, may I ask you to please bow your heads with me, and let's go to God and ask Him to prepare our hearts to receive the Word. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. And I can say this morning, Lord, with all truthfulness, I'm satisfied with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been made complete in Him. We have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I, I remember the days when my soul longed for something better and the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Thank you for pulling me out of the pig pen. Thank you for bringing me home, cleaning me up. And Lord, you are a wonderful provider among many other things that you're great at. Thank you for taking such good care of us. 
We ask that you please help us as we go through these verses this morning. Teach us, Lord. Guide us into all truth. Help me to say what needs to be said and let the seed fall on good ground. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said, this might feel a bit more like a Bible study. I'd like to deal with the verses that we've read, breaking it down into three parts, which usually in a sermon, I, I generally break my sermons into three points. This morning, we're going to look at verses 19 to 21, then verses 22 and 23, and then we're going to finish up on verse 24. I want to make sure that we understand what Jesus is trying to teach and, and say in each portion of these verses, each portion of this passage. And I need to say a few things right at the beginning as we get into verse 19, 20, and 21. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Immediately, people might be tempted to stop reading there and just take that phrase and then run off and create a teaching around it, and, and which would be the wrong thing to do. You, some people would read that and say, well, Jesus is teaching it's wrong to have a savings account. You can't financially plan for the future. And please understand, that's not what Jesus is teaching here. In Matthew 25, Jesus gave a parable about ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. The five wise virgins, they saved oil and had oil for the future. When that need arose, the five foolish spent it immediately and didn't have anything. So to plan for the future and save, Jesus refers to that as, as, a, as a, 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 an act of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with savings financial savings. And you can read this in other places in the Bible as well. Whenever we begin to talk about the subject of money, though, you know as well as I, this is always a sensitive subject when the pastor addresses it. And the reason it's sensitive is because so many pastors have abused it. So many men have twisted the Word of God and the nature of God. And they have turned God into a glorified ATM. They have turned God into nothing more than a source of income. And, and therefore, whenever a pastor begins to talk about money, whew, things can be a bit uneasy or awkward. And I understand that as I talk about this subject this morning. Nevertheless, Jesus had some very pointed things to say about it. And I don't want to shy away from the topic simply because other men have abused it. This is something I feel that our church has excelled at. And I have, I have praised you folks over and over again for your extreme generosity. I have never seen you fail. When there was a need, a, a, an outreach, a missionary to help, a family in the church, you guys have, you have gone above and beyond. You have impressed me. I have great confidence in you. Still more, I believe it's important that we learn from this passage some things about money, specifically our attitude towards it. And that's what we're learning in verse 19, 20, and 21. If anything, I believe it's our attitude towards money. Let me say this, money is necessary. That's why it's such a difficult topic to discuss because we cannot come right out and say money is bad. That's not true. Money is amoral. It's not immoral. It's amoral. Money is just money. Like any other thing, it's just a thing. It, it can be used for something bad, but then that depends on the user of it. 
Money is a necessary part of life. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, and by the way, the, the first, what is it, 12 verses of Luke 16, very interesting part of, of the Bible. It's the only parable that I know of where Jesus, the, the theme of the parable is about money. It's how to handle money. All the other parables deal with the kingdom of heaven or something uh, primarily spiritual. But that parable, the primary theme is, is financial. There's a lot to be learned from that parable. But in that passage in Luke 16, you'll find that Jesus said, Make to yourselves friends of the unrighteous mammon. What's he getting at? That, that again, if you just take that one phrase, you might say, you, I, I, how, why would Jesus say that I need to get along with something that's unrighteous? What he's saying is, you need to know how to have a relationship with money. You don't want to repel it. You're going to need it, which leads me to the second thing I want to say about money. Money can be used for good, and it can be used for God. It all depends on the attitude of your heart. And the third thing I want to say about it, I'm just I'm making these things clear so there's no confusion as we go through the rest of the material. It is okay to be successful. Perfectly okay to be successful, to be good at your job. It's okay to make a good living. It's okay to be rich. It's not a sin to be rich. You remember you'll remember this verse. Jesus said in John 7 verse 24, "Judge not according to appearance." but judge righteous judgment. Now that truth applies in any issue in life, anything that we need to judge. You always want to dig a little deeper and not just judge the book by its cover. But this is a big temptation to look at somebody who has wealth and just jump to the conclusion, he must have cheated, he must have taken shortcuts, there must be corruption involved. You cannot just look at a man's assets and determine, yep, Rich equals wicked. That is not true. That's not true. And one of the most righteous men that we read about in the Bible is Job. The Bible says in, in Job chapter 1 that he was the richest man in all of the East. In the entire population, he stood out, right? He's in that, what is it, that Forbes list of billionaires or whatever. He's, he's the richest man at that time. And yet, we also read that he loved righteousness and hated evil. He eschewed evil. He, he hated sin. So you can be an upright man and still have a lot of money. But then you can also find men that are extremely wealthy and extremely wicked. Nabal, Nebuchadnezzar, and the, the, the list could go on and on on both sides of it. So we can't jump to conclusions and judge by appearance. I believe when it comes to money, what we're going to learn here in, G in the words of Jesus in verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I believe the primary thing he's wanting us to learn in those first three verses is where you're going to set your affections. The temptation is, because money is necessary, we can't go through life without it. We need to have a, a friendly relationship with it. We need to know how to properly get along with it. The temptation is to put too much emphasis on it. The temptation is to think, because I have plenty of money, that means that I must have 
plenty of God's blessing. That must mean my relationship with God is all right. And that's not always true. We need to be careful to put money in its proper place in the list of our priorities. Yes, we must have it. We must take care of it. But we have to be careful not to set our heart upon it. We have to be careful to emphasize and and prioritize those spiritual things, those spiritual treasures. Let me show you a few verses that I believe go with this. Uh, Turn to Psalm 62, please. Psalm 62. Psalm 62. We're going to look at four or five places here. So please follow along with me in your Bible. Psalm 62 and verse 10. Psalm 62 verse 10. Paul wrote it like this while you're finding Psalm 62.10. Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 2, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. As you go through this life, God has promised that He will provide food and raiment. He, and, and that's something we're going to learn in, in the next sermon from this series. We're going to talk again about our financial situation, but we're going to come at it from a different um, viewpoint. We're going to talk about not being anxious or worried about those things. The next sermon is called The Greatest Goal in Life. So we'll, I'm going to save comment about worrying about financial stuff for, for that sermon. Today we're learning some different things. You've got to have the money, but you should never set your affections upon it so that it becomes your primary goal. Psalm 62 verse 10, the Bible says, Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. You see, some people will do whatever it takes to make money. And this is one of the rudiments of the world, one of the world's basic principles. They say, listen, you got to have money, so you, you do what you can to get money. The end justifies the means. That's not true. That's the first half of the verse. Trust not in oppression, become not vain in robbery. Watch the last half. If riches increase, then you are wicked. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. You see, just because riches increase, you can't automatically assume that that guy is an oppressive thief. That's not always the case. If riches increase, here's the warning, set not your heart upon them. So when the riches come in, what's the temptation? The temptation is to say, wow, this is the life. This is great. Now I have everything that I need. My soul is satisfied. No, it's not. Be careful that when riches increase, Luke chapter 12, the parable, that you don't rush out, tear down the barns, build bigger barns, and then say to your soul, Soul, you have all you need. Eat, drink, and be merry. Take thine ease. Be careful. Because you never know. God shows up and says, Tonight thy soul is required. Your your life is over. This is it and you find out you've laid up for yourselves treasures on earth, you emphasize that, but you were not rich towards God. When riches increase, it all depends on where your heart has been set, where the affections are. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23, verse 1. We're going to read a few verses here. Proverbs 23 and verse number 1. 
It says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. He's going to feed you a fancy meal. right? This guy has wealth. He's going to put on big spread for you. But think long and hard. Don't just judge it by appearance. Go, man, this is fancy. He must really like me to go out of his way to feed me all this delicate stuff. Verse 2, And put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. You see, if you're given to something, you're under its control. And the flesh looks at those riches and says, wow, this is the life. Oh man, this tastes so good. I could really, man, I would love to have this life. If I could eat like this every day, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, this is real living. He says, put a knife to your throat if you think like that. You're killing yourself if that is where your priorities are at. Verse 3, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Why? Because you look at it and you think, this guy's got it made. Does he? Just because he has a fancy meal? Just because he lives in a big house? Is that what life is all about? Is not the life more than raiment? Is it not more than meat and drink? Verse 4, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Now again, people might take that first part of verse 4 and say, See, when you work, you should not be seeking to make a lot of money. Take it within its context. If becoming rich is the end goal, the ultimate goal of your life, then you're gonna, you might achieve the goal. You might end up very wealthy. But then when you die, you're going to leave this earth the same way you came in with nothing. You see... It says, cease from thine own wisdom. A man's wisdom will say, make your life as financially comfortable as you can. That's the greatest achievement you can aim for in life. That's how a man thinks. A finite mind only thinks of a finite life. But your life is as a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Yes, you need money to make it through life. But don't forget that this life is very temporary. And so are those riches. So are those lekker meals that you're eating. What about the true bread from heaven? What about the true riches? Jesus used that term. True riches. These spiritual blessings. These treasures laid up in heaven. Are you laboring for that? Is that the primary goal? Verse 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes? Please keep this verse in mind because in Matthew we're going to look at some verses about the eye being single And then we're going to look at the eye being evil. You remember reading that. Verse 5, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? Now, Now notice, he's saying that the money, these dainties, he's calling that nothing. He's saying, are you going to, is that going to be your primary focus? Now, you have to compare the two things, these temporary riches compared to the true riches, the eternal, the spiritual stuff. In comparison, the temporary stuff is nothing. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Now, right about now, I should see some amens. Well, in a few seconds, I should see amens popping up because surely you have seen that verse come to pass in your life. Haven't you had a paycheck? As quickly as it's come into your hand or into your bank account, it goes out just as fast. Right? Everything could be going along fine, then the car break down, the fridge break down, the computer goes bad, and every, all of a sudden all these bills pop up and riches fly away 
as an eagle toward heaven. Notice he didn't say as a, as a little sparrow or a hummingbird. It's like an eagle. Eagles fly fast and far. Man, they fly, they fly high. Those bills stack up so high, you think, man, how did I ever get into this mess? Verse 6. <clears throat> Forgive me. <clears throat> Verse 6 says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. What's the evil eye? It's the eye that is set upon these temporary riches. That is the person's primary goal. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. <clears throat> Forgive me. Neither desire thou his dainty meats. Say, man, if I could just have this fancy lekarkos, then everything would be well. Verse 7, for as he, thinketh, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, this man is greedy. This man will say anything, do anything to get your money. He'll even act like your friend to get into your pocketbook. He says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee. Hey, enjoy, eat, drink, be merry, relax. Yeah, man, there's plenty of more where that came from. You know what he's doing? He's buttering you up. While he's buttering his biscuit, he's buttering you up. He is saying all these wonderful things to you and making you think that everything's great because, man, I might be able to make a buck off of him. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. He doesn't care about you. He cares about what's in your pocketbook. He cares about what's in your purse. Verse 8, the morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. You'll find soon enough the day will come when all those flattering compliments, man, that was all just a mirage. It was just a show. And it'll leave you sick at your stomach eventually. Turn in Proverbs to chapter 28. Chapter 28. Set your affection on things above. He says, but thou set thine eyes upon that which is not. That's, I believe, the, the lesson Jesus is getting across. Our heart, the affections of our heart, our eyes, the focus of our life needs to be on God and not the provision of God, not the wealth that we Ask Him to provide. Proverbs 28, another verse that goes with this. Verse 22. Proverbs 28, 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. Why would a man get involved in these get-rich-quick schemes? Why would he uh, trust in oppression and become vain in robbery? Why would he cut corners and, and take part in corruption and pay the proper officials under the table to make things happen. Why would he do that? Because he's in a hurry to get rich. He's, there's greed. There's covetousness. There's a love for money. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. You know how that's true in two ways? Eventually, those crimes that you commit, they could, and they do many times, catch up with you in this life. And you end up paying for those cut corners. And you end up poor. But let's say you don't get caught. You say, hey, I've covered my tracks. I've shredded all the documents. There's no way they could trace it back to me. <laughs> yeah, but God has records where thieves can't break through and steal. They can't get into heaven and, and shred those documents. 
God has been writing and recording everything in His books and He knows all the corners you've cut to make that money. He knows all the excuses you've made for the wrong balance in your life. And the poverty that you will one day experience is not a physical one, but a spiritual one. Standing before the Lord with no gold, silver, or precious stone, but nothing but wood, hay, and stubble that burns up, turns to ash, and now there's nothing. Poverty will find you soon enough. Let me give you another passage. Turn in the New Testament to 1 Timothy chapter 6, please. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy 6. And look with me beginning at verse number 6. First Timothy 6 and 6. As I said, this might feel a bit more like a, a Bible study, but I, I believe it's something that we need to be reminded of. And it's good for us to hear this just to check our hearts, to examine our hearts, and make sure that we have the proper relationship with money and the proper relationship with God. I'll say more about that in a moment. Let's get to verse 6. 1 Timothy 6, 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. I've told you on many occasions, that verse scares me. There are very few men that have come up against that situation and have gone through it content. But it is possible. Job did it. He lost everything. Richest man in that area, he lost it all. You know what his attitude was? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's, that was his attitude. At least I still have my relationship with God. And he was content with that. Verse 9, it says, But they that will be rich. I want to just point this out. It doesn't say they that are rich fall into temptation. They that will be rich. You realize that the, the truths that we're learning this morning do not apply only to rich people. They apply to everyone. Because a rich man can set his heart upon the riches that he has. But a poor man can look at the riches and say, Oh, if I only had that, then I'd be happy. And he also, even though he doesn't have the wealth, he can look at the wealth, begin to covet it, and the fact that he wants to be, that he will be rich, that becomes the primary focus. He sets his eyes upon it. That's what Paul's getting at. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The temptations and snares, as I've mentioned before, the, the idea of cutting corners to, to cheat the process, to get involved in corruption. Can I also mention this? To cheat your family of quality time that you should be spending with them. To cheat the local church of your involvement. To cheat the Lord of precious time spent with Him. May I, may I slip this in as well? I understand. Guys, we have to work our jobs. 
I, I know that we have to be involved. Please don't feel guilty if you have to put in a lot of hours. And I understand maybe your time to be involved in church and in family with the Lord personally, maybe that's limited. So may you please understand my, my, my words this morning. I'm not talking about quantity necessarily, but quality. Because sometimes we've worked so hard and the workload is so overwhelming, we begin to drown we begin to drown. We are overwhelmed by the waves of our workload. And even when we are with our families or sitting in the church or sitting in our, in our prayer closets or reading our Bibles, our minds, our hearts are still involved with our work. And the thoughts of what I have to do next at work just overwhelm us. It, when you do have those precious few moments you can spend elsewhere, make sure that they are quality moments. Verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some men coveted, uh, I'm sorry, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They end up depressed and broken and they finally reach that goal of making X amount of rands and then they go, this wasn't as good as I had hoped. Notice that he says they have erred from the faith. Paul is talking to people that are in the faith. They are Christians. But they end up straying away from the way of God. They, they end up straying from the faith, from the way life should be lived and they get involved in and following money, and living according to what money says. Notice the problem, the love of money is the root of all evil. What's wrong? The heart is set in the wrong place. Come back to Matthew now, Matthew chapter 6, and let's look at the next part of this passage, verse number 23. Same idea is going to flow into this. It says here, the light of the body, or verse 22, forgive me, I think I said 23. Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if your eye is singularly focused on God, your whole body will be full of light. God is light. And if your eye, that is your one primary goal in life, is to please God, to walk with God, to you value that relationship above all others, then the whole body is going to be full of light. It, because you're yielded to God, everything else is going to fall into its proper place, even your work. This is not a choice between, okay, I can either have God or I can have money. No, no. If you obey God, God commands us to work. He commands us to do a good job, and He can bless you with the necessary things and even extra we have to be careful that when he does, when riches increase, that we don't set our heart and our affections on it. We need to keep our eye singularly on God and not get distracted by what he's giving us. In verse 23, but if thine eye be evil, we've already looked at what that is in Proverbs. An evil eye is that greedy eye. It's the eye that is focused primarily on money, on temporary riches. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. 
Now, notice in, in verse 22, he says, if your eye is single. And then in verse 23, he says, the eye is evil. So if I can make this deduction, you're, you get double vision. It's not that God is nowhere in your life. It's just he's faded to the background. And now you are sharing, God is sharing this primary spot. That's the wrong way to say it. He's not sharing it. You know he should be up there, but he fades to the background. You are now focused on the provision and not the provider so much. Let me move to the end of verse 23. I believe this will become apparent. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Notice the light is still there. The light is in thee, but it becomes darkness. What's he mean? You will use God to get the money. And when that happens, you begin to rely on your relationship with God as in your mind you think, I am going to walk with God because if I don't, I won't have enough money. When that becomes the motivating factor for walking with God, that light gets corrupted. Your knowledge of God, your walk with God is motivated by, by the wrong things and it becomes something very twisted, perverted, and wrong. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Because you will think God is still involved in my life. I still go through the motions of what a Christian ought to do. But it's not for the right reasons. It's not to walk with Him and to experience the peace and joy and comfort of, of, and communion with the Spirit. You do it so that He will provide those temporary things. Let me ask you this. What makes your eyes sparkle? What flips your switches? Is it the provision? Or is it the one providing the provision? What are you looking for? Right? He's talking about your eyes and where your eyes are set. What are you looking for in life? Are you looking for the gold or are you looking for God? Again, I'm not saying that if you look for God, then you can't have any money. You can't do anything with that. No, no. God will tell you how to obtain riches in the right way, and He will provide all your need. That's His promise. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, those earthly things, will be added unto you. But what's the primary focus? What makes your eyes sparkle? What makes you light up? Somebody says, hey, come to this prayer meeting, come to this service, get involved in this Bible study, spend time with God in the guest room, you'll find His presence. Does that light you up? You go, man, now I'm excited. I want to go do that. That's what I'm about. When somebody comes to you with a good business deal, I'm not saying you can't be excited about a good business deal. Which one flips the switch for you? Which one is more appealing? You know, all of us have heard stories of a woman that marries a man not because she loves the man, but because she loves his money. I heard a comedian once talking about how older men, sometimes in their 50s or 60s, they'll have a 20-year-old wife. And he says, man, don't you know she is just waiting for you to die? <laughs> in, in a lot of cases, I'm not going to condemn them all, but in a lot of cases, that's the truth. Uh, she sees a good opportunity. This guy's not going to be around too long. I just have to put up with him for a few years. I have to put on this kind, affectionate face so that he leaves everything to me. 
A woman that marries a man just for his money, we call that person a gold digger. And I believe that there are a lot of people in the body of Christ. They got involved with the Lord, not for the Lord, but for what the Lord might provide physically. They are gold diggers. They are seeking not God, but the gold. I want to ask you this morning to check your heart and make sure that the riches don't hold more sway over you than God. In verse 24, we'll finish up, No man can serve two masters. He says you cannot serve God and mammon. You have to choose. You see, God needs God must be in your life. Mammon must be in your life to a certain extent. As I said, you can't live without the, those necessary things. But you can't serve them both. You can't have two masters sitting upon the throne of your heart. You have to choose. And when the riches come in, it's very tempting to put riches on the throne and let God fade into the background and say, God, listen, I'm happy with you as long as you keep the riches coming. So I want to finish with just a few questions maybe you can ask yourself to determine who is the true master of your life. Number one, if the money goes, will you still love God? With the current economic situation in the world and specifically in South Africa, this is a good time to ask yourself that question. I've asked myself that question. A lot of Americans are being affected by all this COVID stuff. And I'm supported by them. I've had to ask myself, if, if I have to give it all up, if I have to sell the house, if I have to sell the cars, if, if I have to change my life drastically, is that going to affect my walk with the Lord? I really hope that it would make it stronger. And as I say, I, who, who wants to pray and say, God, test me like you tested Job? Nobody wants to, that to happen to him. But you do want to check your heart and say, God, whether there's an abundance or whether I'm praying for my daily bread, godliness with contentment is great gain as long as I have you. Let me ask you this. Who gets to make the final decision? Who is the ultimate authority, the ultimate factor when you make decisions? When you look at a, a serious life decision, what's the, what's the most important factor for you? You know, when you want to move to another place, I understand, you have to pray about, am I going to be able to make enough money? You have to think about that. It's not wrong to think about it, but have you thought about a good church in that new location? Have you thought about how that move might affect your spiritual life? Young folks that go to university to study a particular subject so that they can eventually find a career have you thought it through about how that career might affect your spiritual life and how it will affect your time and your schedule? You need to think about that. What is the ultimate factor that makes your decisions? When I was in Bible school, I worked at McDonald's as a manager. They came to me one day. I was just a, a shift manager. They said, Mike, we'd like to make you an assistant manager, but it will require extra hours and you'll have to work during the evenings. And I had to go to Bible school. I had a decision to make. I could really use the extra money. I prayed about it, 
God said, this isn't the time for you to excel in, in, in a career at McDonald's. I'm training you for something more important in the future. I had to make a decision, and the ultimate factor was not the extra money in the paycheck. You have to factor money in, but don't let it be the final authority. If somebody has God seated upon the throne of their heart, He will take care of the needs, and a person can rest comfortably in that knowledge. That person will be able to go to work, have a career, make money, manage it properly. That person is going to have a deep well of joy whether the money comes or goes. But if a person has money seated upon the throne of their heart, they will only do for God what money allows them to do. Do you understand what I mean by that? Their schedule is determined by what it takes to get money. And if I have enough time to do these other to to participate in these other spiritual things, in these other important things, family, friends, other, you know, th- those type of things. Let me ask my money if I have time for that. Let me ask my money if I can share my attention to other things. Who today is the master of your heart? I'm going to try to finish up where I started. We don't want to judge by appearance. You can look at two men that have the same amount of money in their bank account, the same assets, the same job, a wife, same amount of kids. One man can have God upon the throne. The other can have money on the throne. So we're not going to judge by appearance. I'm going to ask you this morning to check your heart. What makes your eyes light up? What makes them sparkle? Where have you set your affections? The song that we sang says, Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy, but the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Well of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. Friend, if you want to be involved and have, have true riches, where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal, you need to start laying those things up on the other side. That begins with you accepting Jesus Christ, the true bread. The abundant life is not one that's involved with things. It's involved with God. And the abundance that He wants to give you is His presence, which comes with the peace, the joy, the satisfaction, the contentment. Please check your heart this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's pray about this for a moment. Father, we thank you this morning for allowing us to examine your word. And Lord, you know money plays a big part in our lives. Money, you said in the Bible, money answers all things. We have to consider how money is going to affect what we can do and what we can't. But Lord, please let it never be the the Lord of our lives, our Master. We, We want You to make our decisions. We trust You to provide for us. Lord, I have found it to be so true. There's nothing in this life that satisfies the way that Your presence does. Untold wealth. Lord, 
Thank you so much for the true riches that were brought down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the treasure that we have in these earthen vessels, a treasure that no one can steal. Lord, help us to be busy about your business, laying up treasures that will never fade. Father, help each one of us to examine our hearts consistently and to be sure that our affections are set on things above. Thank you for this time, and please bring us back together tonight to learn more from your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Lord willing, you'll see me again tonight at 6 o'clock.